take your Bibles, turn with me to James chapter number 1. Everybody remain standing, turn with me to James chapter number 1. We are going to talk about a subject tonight uh, that I am positively sure everybody deals with. Uh, How many of you have ever faced a problem before? How many of you are living, no, I'm just saying, you're, you're living with a problem. How many of you, ha, <laughs> I have marriage counseling on uh, uh, problems, problems, problems. I I, I saw a, a, a Charlie Brown cartoon that, that talked about problems, and Linus's, Linus's uh, idea of dealing with problems is to run real fast. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Sometimes, sometimes I wish we could avoid them. I wish we could ignore them. I wish they would just go away. Uh, but that's not always the case. Matter of fact, that's rarely the case. Uh, problems are real. Problems are things that we have to deal with. And uh, so that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Let's talk about something that we all have to deal with. How about it, church? Amen? James chapter number 1 and verse number 1. Does everybody have an outline? Anybody need an outline? I usually do that and I forgot. Raise your hand if you need an outline. Anybody need one? Right here in the middle. Guys, I don't know where you are that's got one. All right, Brother Josh. Brother Josh, handle that. All right. There we go. James chapter number 1, verse number 1. Are you there? Say amen. amen. It says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren... This is a statement that's a little difficult for me to get. Count it all joy. In other words, this this ought to make you happy. You ought to get excited. Get excited about what? When you fall into divers' temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Uh, how many of you have heard the phrase or heard somebody say this, don't pray for patience? You know, in prayer requests, people have asked, well, I just need some I want you to pray that God will give me prayer. And they say, oh, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't pray for patience because tribulation worketh patience. Or patience comes by dealing with problems. Problems. Now, I get the I get the idea, I get the gist of saying let's don't pray for that. I mean, let's don't pray for something we want to avoid or don't want to deal with. Uh, but the deal is this, whether we uh, pray for it or not or whether we want it or not, if we need patience, that's exactly what we're going to get. Because God knows who we are, God knows what we need, and he is in the business of creating character in his children. And he wants us to be Christ-like. Amen? Father, thank you, Lord, for your, your presence in this place. Lord, i got a bunch of hungry children tonight that want to hear from you. And I know in, in every one of our lives we have things that we are sorry for. We have things that we regret. We have sins in our life that we ask you to forgive us of. God, I pray that you'll move in an awesome way. I pray that you'll remove any hindrance. I pray that you'll remove any barrier, any boundary that would keep you from uh, speaking to us through your word tonight. God, we, we have problems in life. We have multitudes of problems. And God, I pray that you'll teach us tonight how to deal with them. 
how to, how to address them, how to, how to handle them, how to, how to approach them. Lord, I pray that your will be done in all things. And God will thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. James is speaking to Christians and he says, my brethren. So we know, we know he's talking to save people. He's talking to, to, to the, the believers and he says, count it all joy when you, fight, when you fall into divers' temptations. Now, to do a little word study in the beginning of your, your lesson tonight, uh, I put the words there in the front and we put the definitions beside it. Divers means uh, different. Divers means various. Various in character. Uh, the word temptation means putting to proof or a testing, if you will. It's not necessarily a temptation uh, to sin, like a temptation to lust after a woman or a temptation to drink a beer or a temptation to uh, uh, smoke drugs or, or, or whatever it might be, a temptation to cheat or, or whatever. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about testing. It's talking about a trial, a difficulty. It uses the word adversity. Say that with me. It uses the word adversity. Adversity is a problem. Adversity is a problem. Any way you look at it, adversity is a problem. We're going to face adversity in our life. Uh, uh, divers, various in character. So what, what the verses are saying is that in our life, in our daily living, we are going to face various kinds, various forms of adversity. Problems. I looked up the word problem just to make it even more simpler. Uh, a problem is a source of perplexity or vexation, something that requires thought and skill for resolution. Problems. Problems. Something that bothers you, something that, that, that gets on your nerves, something that gets under your skin, something that causes uh, discomfort. I hate problems. How many of y'all would agree with that? I've always hated math because it was nothing but problems. Say amen. I mean, I thought to myself, I've got enough problems in my life, and now you're just going to give me a whole book of problems. I hate math. I've always hated math. I'll always hate math, and math is from the devil. Amen. And if you're a math teacher in here, uh, amen. God bless your heart. Amen. Uh, some of that stuff just, everybody's mind thinks different, and, and I loved history, but I hated math. Math. Problems, 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 always solving problems, uh, having to think and skill and, 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 and having to deal with things. But, man, when you really look at life, you've you got to understand life is nothing but problem solving. Life is nothing but problems. All of life for everybody is nothing but problem solving. Uh, a, a, a conference teacher once said that your worth is going to be determined by the problems you're able to solve. In other words, a man has the ability to solve a sanitation problem and he makes $20 an hour in New York and another man is a court lawyer. He solves another type of problem and he makes $200 an hour. They are both problem solvers, but they, they solve different kinds of problems. So what's the point? Our life is going to be full of problems. And when we face problems in our life, that's not the time to freak out and wig out on God and think that, listen, I'm saved and I'm a child of God. Why is this happening to me? Does God hate me? No, no. I put a story in your notes there about a young peach farmer who, who uh, had a crop growing and, and because of a frost, it killed all the peaches. So he, he quit coming to church. 
He missed church one Sunday, missed church another Sunday. The pastor went to see him and to visit him and find out what was going on. And he said, how could I worship a God who, who didn't care enough about me? He let all the peaches die. He let all the, the peaches, he let the frost kill the peaches. The preacher kind of thought a minute about what to say and how to respond. And he said back kindly, son, God loves you better than he loves your peaches. You see, God understands that while peaches can grow without frost, men cannot grow without trials. God is not in the business of growing peaches. He's in the business of growing Christians. And Christians cannot grow without trials. Christians, listen, we don't grow on the mountaintop, although that's where I want to stay. I want to stay in the glory. I want to stay in the good. I want to stay when it's happy. I want to stay when it's exciting. I want to stay when everything's great and everything's fine and it's, it's a wonderful service. But you realize that no grass grows on the mountaintop. There's no nourishment on the mountaintop. There's no growing and developing on, on the mountaintop. It's in the valley where the nutrients are. It's in the valley where the grass is. It's in the valley where you'll find as a Christian that you'll do your most development and your most growing when we're dealing with problems. 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 You say, preacher, what is a problem? This is not in your notes, but this is good to write down. A uh, problem is simply an opportunity to get better. A problem is just an opportunity to get better, to do better than you did the first time. Job 14.1. Job 14.1 said, man that is born of woman is a few days and full. Not only are we not going to be here very long, but the time we're going to be here is going to be full of what? Trouble. That's exciting. Amen. Job 5.7 says, yet man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward. So, according to these verses, we find we're going to have problems. And James James is saying, look, get happy. Get, get happy. You ought, to be, you ought to get excited. Hey, I got a problem. Isn't that great? Isn't that wonderful? This is so exciting. I've got something I can't fix. This is just dandy. Now, how many of y'all respond that way? Uh, we don't lie either, do we? But watch what he says. You see, that part of it, if we leave it alone, might just seem too impossible. I don't know a Christian alive. If we stop there at that verse, watch what the next verse says. Knowing this. He didn't just say you ought to count it all joy because you got problems. He didn't leave it there. Because if he'd have left it there, I'd have said he was crazy. Because I don't know a human being alive that enjoys having problems. Because if you do, you got a problem. Y'all with me? He said, how can, we, how can we find joy in knowing we have problems? He said this, knowing this. This is where we're going to be able to handle our problems. This is where we're going to be able to deal with our problems. This is, this is how we're going to be able to keep us out of the funny farm when we deal with our problems. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith or your problems worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that she may be perfect and entire. The word perfect there means mature, complete, and entire, wanting nothing, lacking nothing. Having all you need. Being all that you need to be. So, 
With that being said, let's, let's take this outline and go, go through it a little bit. Number one, the first thing I want you to see, uh, number one, is the variety in our problem. The variety. The Bible says divers temptations, various in character. Uh, problems come in all shapes and sizes. They come in all shapes and sizes. Now, your paper is not big enough for me to put them all down. Are you all with me? So I took some major ones out of God's Word. I took some ones I think we'll all face sooner or later in our life uh, that, that sometimes we have more often to deal with than others. First, I want you to see there's financial problems. There's financial problems. Just because you're having financial problems doesn't mean that God hates you. And just because you have financial problems doesn't mean that you're not right with God. Just because you're having financial problems doesn't mean you don't have enough faith. Now, if you turn on enough religious channels, you'll find out that those religious channels will teach you you're broke because you don't have no faith in God. You have the demon of poverty. There is no such thing as the demon of poverty. Are y'all with me? There's no such thing as that. You're not going to you're not going to cast out a, a demon or a spirit of poverty in your life. Get that foolishness out of your head. Dave Ramsey said, "If you do what poor people do, you'll end up poor. If you do what rich people do, you'll end up rich." Now, let me let me explain some things. Uh, the majority of rich people today were not born with it. Now, I like to think I like to think. Well, you know, I I, I was I was born poor. My my I didn't have that that rich uncle or that rich grandfather. I didn't have none of that. So you know, and and you, we won't have a pity party for ourselves. But the majority, the great majority of people that are wealthy were not born that way. They earned it. So here's what I want you to get out of this. It's not in your notes, but this is just one, something I want to share to you. Sometimes, sometimes our financial problems are self-inflicted. Sometimes our financial problems are self-inflicted. It's because of poor financial decisions. When we make poor financial decisions, I have made some poor financial decisions. I have paid off a Honda Accord that was in great shape. That was in, I mean, it was an incredible, drove it from the time I, I paid it off, drove it to the dealership, traded in on an extended cab Ranger and had big payments. Stupid. That's dumb. Dave Ramsey calls it that stupid tax. Amen. So here I am in debt. I made poor decisions. Poor decisions. And, 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 and this is what happens in church. We get overcome and overwhelmed in our finances, making poor decisions, getting in debt that we cannot handle and cannot pay for, and then we claim the verse, God will supply all my need according to his riches and glory. The Bible does say God will supply all my need, but it does not say God will supply all my stupidity. And we buy things we can't afford. We go overboard in debt. And I'm, I'm, I've had people email me saying, why is God not doing this? God didn't get you into that. Does that make sense? 
and I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to beat anybody up. I'm preaching to me. I, I, man, I'm telling you, I've I've paid stupid tax, and I'm still paying stupid tax because of poor financial decisions. But I, sooner or later, we got to put the shovel down. You cannot borrow your way out of debt. Say amen. So sometimes, sometimes financial problems, and you say, where's that in the Bible? The woman, the widow who came to Elisha said, my husband died and the creditors are coming. What did he do? He made poor financial decisions to put them in such a debt that when he died, she wasn't taken care of, and now they're coming to get the two boys. So it happens. It happens. Our country is where it's at today, and, 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 and we don't even need to go into all the politics and all that stuff, but it's, it's there because of unwise financial decisions. So some financial problems are self-inflicted. Some financial problems are for unforeseen circumstances. And that's where we find Job. Job was a very wealthy man. He was a very righteous man. He was a very godly man. I mean, he was not just righteous for his own self. He was righteous for his kids. He would not just come and offer a sacrifice for his sin and his issues. He would come and offer sacrifices for his children. He wanted, to, he wanted enough of his righteousness to go around for everybody. So this guy was a good guy. He was a godly guy. He was a righteous guy. But guess what? In one moment of time, he went completely bankrupt. He didn't go into debt. He didn't make poor financial decisions. He didn't do all of that kind of thing. It was unforeseen circumstances. Nature. Uh, there are people who have, have had uh, crazy, crazy health issues that drained their finances. There are, there are people who, who've had a house that was paid off but didn't have any insurance on it and, and, and a fire or a tornado or something of that nature. Things that you just don't see Boom, here we go, financial problems. Now, don't ever, don't ever say because this person is having a financial issue, it's because God don't love them or they don't have enough faith. Because Job, besides really, besides John the Baptist, I think Job is the only one that I know of that God was bragged on. Now, he bragged on John, said there's not a man born greater than John, but, but Job was suggested to the devil by God. God thought enough of Job to suggest him. He said, hey, what do you think about old Job? Wouldn't it be something that you lived your life in such a way? Not that I want you to go through what Job did. I don't want to go through what Job did. But God trusted him enough to bring him up, and yet he had financial problems. Now, not only do we find financial problems in the Word, but then we find family problems. Family problems. It's amazing to me the Christians that think their family is the only ones that's crazy. I tell you, how I, I is we like... Hey. <laughs> Really? Abraham had family problems. He had problems with his wives. Hello? He had problems with his nephew. Listen, he had family problems. 
Job even had problems with his wife to some sorts. He, he just told it, man, just curse God and die. And he says, woman, you speak as a foolish woman speaketh. Try that on your wife one time. Mm-hmm. Think you got problems. How about Mary and Martha? Mary and Martha, sibling problems. Jesus, would you get her to help me? I mean, for real. Y'all with me? She's making dinner. Hey, Mary's hanging out with Jesus, and here's a little jealousy going on, and, 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 and family problems. These were Jesus' best friends. Are y'all with me? Jesus' best friends were arguing. Isn't that great? That means we're not all that crazy. We're normal. Hey, everybody has problems. Let me tell you something. They may look like Ken and Barbie when they come to church, but everybody goes home. Everybody goes home. Everybody has issues. We see the best of everybody here. We see the best foot put forward. We see the, the, the Christian part we want everybody else to see here. But everybody goes home. Everybody has bad days. Everybody has downtime. Everybody has issues. Everybody has morning breath and morning hair. Say amen. Come on. Is she in here? <laughs> Tammy came by me the other day, and y'all know I love her because I was bragging on about them blue eyes Sunday, so this is all good right here. <laughs> she had that, you know, that, that Phyllis Diller hair, hairdo after you get out of bed, you know? And I'm waking up, and I'm trying to get my eyes clear, and I see it. And, and you know how you know how the preacher don't have a poker face? She said, what are you looking at? I said, I ain't sure. I ain't sure. Have you looked in the mirror this morning? Come, no. I'm careful. I'm trying. My point is, my point is, don't bail out on yours because they're all the same. Don't think the grass is greener on the other side. Everybody has family problems. Everybody has family problems. And thank God if God could help the families in the Bible, he can help ours. Amen? Financial problems, family problems. Then there's fitness problems, health problems, health problems. Some of our health problems is because we're reckless. We're reckless. We don't take care of ourselves. Doctors have said a man, you can give a man a spoon and he'll kill himself. We eat poisons. We, we, we just, it's, hey, it is what it is. Sometimes our, our physical problems, uh, we blame God and we eat terrible stuff and we don't take care of ourselves and, and we get angry at God if our body starts breaking down. Uh, sometimes it's recklessness, but sometimes it's like Job, unforeseen circumstances. 
Sometimes people get cancer because uh, in the garden this world was cursed. When we, when we find a situation out, the first thing we all want to know, come on, get me, get, am I right about this? First thing we want to know is why. The disciples was with Jesus, and they come up on a blind man. And according to the scripture, he was blind from birth. He was blind from birth. So these wise guys get this idea, and they say, okay, who did it? Who sinned? Because our nature, our nature. Now watch how this works. Our nature is to find out who's to blame. Because then, if we can find out who's to blame, then we can act and we can cause them to hurt and bring vengeance on them. And we think that if we can make them hurt like they've hurt us, we'll feel better. And it never works that way. So that's why we're always seeking why. Who did it? Whose fault is it? And, and the disciples asked Jesus, okay, since he, was, since he was born blind, since he came into this world this way, uh, uh, who sinned, him or his parents? And Jesus just, how could he sin in his mother's womb? Neither did his parents sin. He said, but this is to the glory of God. And healed the guy. Preacher, what are you saying? You mean to tell me, you mean to tell me that sometimes it's God's will for people to be sick? That's what I'm telling you. Now, the charismatic movement won't tell you that. They'll tell you if you're sick, you don't have enough faith. And that God doesn't want anybody sick. That's, that's just not true. Some of the most godly people I've ever known in my life died of cancer. Some of the most heathenistic people I've ever known went in remission. What's the answer? I don't have one. I honestly don't have one. And if I tried to give you one, I'd be lying. And if you say you had one, I wouldn't believe you. Sometimes sickness comes from the curse in the garden. Cancer came from the curse in the garden. Diabetes come from the curse in the garden. I don't believe when Adam and Eve, when they were first created, they didn't have cancer. They didn't have diabetes. They didn't have eye problems. They didn't have heart disease. They didn't have cataracts. They didn't have blindness. They did, are y'all with me? But man was cursed because of sin. Because of sin. Sometimes... God can get, and this is going to be a little deep for y'all, and I didn't even really mean to get into all this, but it's flowing, so let's just roll with it. Amen? Sometimes God can get more glory out of death than he can life. Now, see, we all have this mentality that everybody's supposed to be born, live a long time, then die. That's our mentality. That's what we think is supposed to happen. But do you realize Paul said, to live is Christ, to die is gain. In other words, whether I live or I die, I want to bring glory to God. The Bible says that Samson, when he died, he brought more glory to God in his death than he ever did in his life. Now you see, what we have to do 
is change our carnal mentality to bring on a more spiritual mentality and to think like God and understand we were put here not for pleasure, but put here to bring glory to God. And that will help us understand more why things happen the way they do. Is that going to explain it all? No. Because there's still some questions I got that one day God is going to help us with. Are y'all with me? Problems. Financial problems, family problems, fitness problems. Job had issues. We know he had sore boils from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. Hezekiah, God came and said, son, you're sick, you're going to die. We know that he prayed. We know that he prayed. He prayed and, and God heard his prayer and gave him extra time. We know that a sickness came upon David's uh, baby because of his sin. And David prayed, but that baby died. So, not only that, not only that, but we know of sickness in Timothy. Timothy had stomach problems, nerves. He was a young pastor, pastoring older people. Somebody say amen. I'm, it's in the book. Read it. He, he, he was a timid type personality and, 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 and nervous. Nervous. When you have stomach problems, I know what it was. Yeah, I can read between the lines. And and Paul told him to, you know, he had issues. Now, what does that mean? Some of us will face fitness problems or health problems in our life. But I'm glad we can go to God with it. Amen? Now, number two, number two, we see the variety of problems. He says divers temptations, uh, different Various kinds of problems, adversity we're going to face. Now, number two, I want you to see this. Uh, this is knowing this. This is the part in that verse. Knowing this. This is the value in problems. The value in problems. Now, when you're in the midst of the problem, it's hard to see that they're valuable. Would you agree with that? I would. When I was, and this is kind of a little bit different, but when I was getting a whooping, it was valuable, but I couldn't see the value during the whooping. Y'all with me? But it kept me out of jail and ultimately kept me out of hell. Y'all with me? Now, what is the value in our problems? How can we see this? Because I promise you this, if we don't learn to see the value in our problems, it will create bitterness against God. Because we'll go to God and say, God, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. I'm paying my tithes, and I'm showing up to church, and I'm witnessing to everybody I can. I'm doing everything I can. Job was a righteous man. But if we never see the value in our problems, it will cause us to get bitter and angry. Are y'all with me? Now, what is the value in our problems? First, write this down. If you're taking notes, write this down. I want you to see our problems, they motivate. Our problems motivate. What do you mean they motivate? The Bible says in Psalms 119.71, it is good for me that I have been afflicted. In other words, it's good that I got a problem, that I might learn thy statutes. What does that mean? When I have a problem, it makes me look for a problem solver. When I had my kidney stones, 
I, 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 didn't, I, didn't, I didn't do anything but find the hospital. Why? I was looking for somebody to solve my problem. Many of you in this room tonight, you came to Jesus because you had a problem. Now, you're saved now. You're born again now. You're redeemed now. But it wasn't your craving. It wasn't your search for truth. You had a problem, and maybe God could do something about it. Hey, there's nothing like when it gets cold. When it gets cold, it'll make you find the heater. Say amen. And sometimes we need problems. Sometimes we need problems. We don't like it, but we need it. Because sometimes we get so busy in life, we forget about God. We forget about fellowshipping with Him. We forget about everything. It's a natural natural response because the Bible says the nation of Israel, when they went into the promised land, before they went, God gave them a last-minute warning, and this was the last-minute warning. He says, when you've gone into those houses you didn't build, when you start picking out that vineyard you did not plant, when you start drinking out of them wells you did not dig, when you begin to be blessed and have the abundance that I have promised you, beware that you forget not where it comes from but we know the story they did they did so what God have to send a problem and when he sent the problem they cried out to God hey the problem you may be facing today it might be just God trying to get your attention because he hadn't heard from you in a while Y'all with me? It's awful quiet in here. Listen, our problems motivate. Our problems motivate. Now, not only that, but here's, here's a biggie right here. They not only motivate us to seek a problem solver, they motivate us to come to God. They motivate us to, to, to cast our care upon Him. And God wants us to do that. God wants us. Don't, don't think your problem is too small. You know what I think is wrong with most Christians today? I don't think it's that they think their problem is too big. I think it's they think their problem is too small. What do you mean by that? Uh, I, I hear this a lot. Well, I don't want to bother you with this, but. And I think sometimes we don't think that God cares about the smallest of things. I don't care what your problem is. I don't care how big it is. I don't care how small you think it is. That that, that you're wasting God's time. God wants to hear about your problem. And God wants to solve your problem. God wants to help you with your problem. God wants you to come to him. Cast all your care upon him. For he cares for you. Cast thy burden upon the Lord. And he shall sustain thee. Are y'all with me? Now, watch this. Our problems motivate, but then B, write this down. Our problems mature. They mature us. I don't, I don't like to admit that. And I don't like to think about that, but, but it's true. What, why do you send your kids to school? You wake them up, you send them to school for 12 years of nothing but what? Problem solving. Am I right? Why? Why do we send them to school? Because we hope they can get what? Mature. Mature. We want them to develop. We want them to learn. We want them to grow. 
We want them to mature. We don't want them to be children. And God doesn't want us to be either. Watch this. In James 1, it says in verse number 2, My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into divers temptations. Various and characteristic, various uh, uh, adversity here. Now watch, now watch. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work that ye may be, what's that word? Perfect or complete or mature. Mature and entire. Wanting nothing. Lacking nothing. Now I like this. In Romans 5, watch this. Therefore being justified by faith, that means when you get saved, y'all with me? Say amen. Therefore, being justified by faith, we get saved by faith. We're justified. That means justified, never sin. That's how God looks at me when I come to Christ. One of the benefits of coming to Christ and salvation, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice over salvation. We rejoice over redemption. We rejoice over sanctification and knowing that God has forgiven us and God has justified us and, and we have a home in heaven and our name is written in glory. We rejoice over all those things. But, verse 4, or excuse me, verse 3, and not only so, we glory in justification. We glory in the access that we have to the throne. We glory because God hears and answers prayer. We, we glory in the hope of the glory of God. But not only so, we glory in tribulations also. Think about it. We glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. And patience experience and experience hope. Oh, now look at, look at the notes right here. Salvation is no escape from the trials of life. How many of y'all figured that out by now? In this world, ye shall have tribulation, John 16, 33. But for the believer, trials work for him. They're not coming against him. They may feel like it. And the devil may try to use it for that purpose. But God is working it for you it says the trials work for him not against him and watch this now now watch this you got to pay attention right here wake up pinch your neighbor suffering builds christian character the word experience in romans 5 4 means character that has been proved character that has been proved the sequence is this, tribulation, then patience, then experience or proven character, then hope. What does that mean? It's the difference between the quarterback that's been there and the rookie. The quarterback that's been there knows what to expect. He knows what the crowd is going to sound like. He has... He has experience. And because of the experience, he's able to handle the tribulation easier. Because of the experience, he's able to handle the situation. But you see, the rookie hasn't been proven. 
and you need to understand this. You need to understand this. Ladies and gentlemen, a faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. Can God trust you? A faith, now I don't like none of this, y'all. Y'all are looking at me like, I wish you'd hush about this right here. I mean, it's going to tell you. And the worst part about it, every time we preach and teach on something, that's what we go through the following week. So I'm, I'm real thrilled about this coming week. Amen. But, but God is saying this. What you're going through is necessary. David may not have gotten real excited about having to face that bear. David didn't like the idea or the concept of facing uh, the lion. But I, I guarantee you this, while he was facing the bear, God knew the giant was coming. David couldn't foresee that. David didn't know what was down the road. But God knew David needed some character building because God had greater things for him. Now, I... I'm trying to stay dignified. I am. I'm trying to stay dignified. But, but you got to understand something. If you're going through trials right now, that means God has greater things for you out there. If you're going through difficulty now, if you're going through suffering now, if you're going through things right now that you think you're going to die, I promise you there's greater glory ahead. Well, why should I be excited that there's a giant out there? Because that giant is going to be beheaded and you're going to get the king's daughter. He was promoted in the kingdom. He got great glory. He was magnified because of what he was able to do. But he never faced a giant till he dealt with the other problems in his life. And the little problems, the ones we try to avoid, the ones we get angry at, the ones we blame God that we're going through, the ones we get frustrated at. Are y'all with me? Amen. Haruki Murakami said this. This is great, man. This is great. We're talking about the maturity that problems bring in our life and how they develop us. Watch this. He said, once the storm is over, you won't remember how you made it through, how you managed to survive. You won't even be sure whether the storm is really over. But one thing is certain, when you come out of the storm, you won't be the same person who walked in. That's what this storm is all about. Man, that's good. You may not even know how in the, I've, I've been through things, and at the end of it, and I look back, how did I get out of that? How in the world did I make it through this? How did our marriage stand this kind of trauma? But when we get out, we know we're not what we went in. <laughs> Church, say amen. All right. We see the value of our problems. We see the various uh, characteristics of problems and how they can be diverse in nature, I want you to see the victory in our problems. This may be 
what's going to help the most people. <clears throat> the victory in our problems. What do we do when problems come? What do we do? What, what, what is the, what, how, do we, how do we deal with our problems? What's the, what, what, what do we need to do? Do we cry? Do we whine about it? So why are you saying all that? Because that's been some of my mode of action, amen? Do we call every preacher in the world and find out they've gone through the same problem? Do we try to trade problems? Some of y'all get that. You're just trading one for another. What do we do? What do we do? What's the Christian do? What, is, what does God want us to do? First thing, y'all know, you need to pray. Isn't it amazing that's the last thing we normally do? Usually when somebody comes to my office with an issue, the first thing I usually ask is, have you prayed about this? And I don't mean, oh my God, that's not prayer. That does not count. Say amen. I'm talking about, have you sincerely spent time on your face before God in real prayer? Philippians is a book of joy. And, and, and really, uh, Paul is talking about joy when he's in a difficult situation. He's got a handful of problems. And uh, so him writing about joy is kind of ironic. Uh, but in, in Philippians, he writes this in, in chapter number 4. He's, he says, be careful for nothing. That means don't worry about anything. As a matter of fact, I'm going to just turn over there because I want to read that all, all them verses there. Uh, Philippians chapter number 4. And, and he says in verse 6, be careful for nothing. Don't worry. Amen. Say it with me. That's what he's saying. Be careful for nothing. The word careful means anxious. Don't be in anxiety. Be careful for nothing. Don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. Worry's like a rocking chair. Give you something to do, but it won't take you nowhere. Say amen. Don't worry. some reason I just hear Brother O'Neill, Jamaican, singing that song right now. Don't worry, be happy. You know, I mean, I, he said, don't worry. When your problem comes, don't worry. But in everything, all your problems, all your situations, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Who's the first person you tell about your problem? Yeah. The 40-year retired preacher says usually the preacher. That's who usually gets it. For real. Who's the first person you tell? Is it the lady at the beauty parlor? Is it one of your best friends? I mean, let's let's just be practical and be honest. Who's the first person you usually tell about your problems? 
according to Philippians, it needs to be God. It needs to be God. He said, let your request be made known unto God. Tell him. Pray. I mean, really pray. And, 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 and can I encourage you to do something? Some of y'all... Some of y'all try to get really spiritual. I, I've even heard people pray in the King James. Like, God's going to hear you more if you sound like what that Bible reads. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to make fun of nobody. I'm not. And that ain't, that's not even why I said that, because some people think that they're respecting God by doing that. And if that's the case, rock on. I want you to respect God however you do. But here's my point. Just be real. Be who you are. And don't front God. When you've got a problem, tell him your problem. Because he knows anyway. I'm angry. Tell him. He knows. I'm frustrated. I'm be honest. Be honest. You know what I think the problem is? I think most of us have been, we've learned so long to be hypocritical. And before you get mad and say, I ain't no hypocrite. The word hypocrite is one who wears a mask. One who wears a mask. I ask you, how you doing? Great. And you're dying on the inside. I'm wonderful. Fight all the way to church and pull in the parking lot. Come on, am I right? That's why me and Tammy drive separate cars, amen? <laughs> but but we, we've, we've learned so much of that to hide from each other, that translates over sometimes hiding from God. And you see, we can't, we can't get anything from God till we get real with God. You remember the illustration I gave the other day where, where Jacob... Jacob was asked his name by his father, and he lied. He said, my name's Esau. I want a blessing. My name's Esau. He lied. But when God got a hold of him, remember, he was wrestling with the angel and said, bless me. He's asked for a blessing again. And, and he said, what's your name? What did he have to do? He had to get real. He had to get honest. And the hardest thing I find in my life sometimes is just to get real. When I'm afraid, just to say I'm afraid. When I'm weak, just to say I'm weak. Peter, great illustration. I'll die. I'll never run out on you. Jesus said, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me thrice. No. You see, Jesus knew what was on the inside. And because he was not willing to get real with Jesus, he had to face the music. And that's why on that, on that shore, he said, now, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Three times. Peter, you know what Peter said? I love this. The last response was this. Lord, you know. 
you know. I know what I said back there, but I, you know. You know what he was saying? I'm going to just get real. And pray. Pray. And don't think you know what God can do. Don't ever think. Don't ever even let it cross your mind that you think you know what God can do in your life. Because God can do greater, far abundantly more than we could ever ask or think. Church, say amen. Pray. Be. Be. Write this word down. Process. This is easier for the men than the women. Because men operate in facts, ladies operate in feelings. Now, we're dealing with problems, uh, so that's how we're going to attack this. You cannot solve a problem in an emotional upheaval. No one has ever solved a problem with emotions. Never. It's Joe Friday. What Joe Friday say? Come on, y'all. The facts, ma'am, just the... I got Bible. I know that's your, I know what you're thinking. You're speaking of women. No, I'm not. I got Bible. The Bible says in Proverbs... The Bible says in Proverbs 18, 13, He that answereth a matter before he heareth it. In other words, before he gets the facts, it is folly and shame unto him. Why is this so important? Let's go back to Philippians. When you're worried about something, you've got a problem, you've come to God and prayed about it. You've come to God and prayed about it, and you need the peace of God in your heart. Now watch what he says to do in verse 8. This is always left out. We think all we have to do is pray about it, but that's not true. Verse 8 says this, Finally, brethren, Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, what's the next four words? All right, now watch this. First, in, in, in verse 8, in verse 8, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are, what's that word? What is that? The facts. When you are faced with a problem, Get all the facts. When you hear about a problem, don't let your emotions overrun your logic. Because a lot of times when this problem is a serious problem and it's a big problem, the first thing we want to do is get emotional about it. And we think the more emotional we get, the more God's going to hear our prayer. That's, that's not true. God is not moved by emotions. God is moved by faith. And if we want to solve a problem, we have to have all the facts about the problem. I, 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 listen, it, it, and it doesn't matter what the problem is, whether it's electricity, whether it's a car. Whether, what do they do when you go to the doctor? What, they, what seems to be the problem? Okay. If I knew that, I, no, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't. What do they do? The first thing they do, they start getting the, when you go to a, a mechanic, what does he say? What's it? What's it doing? What sound is it making? What vibration is it giving? What He's wanting to get the facts. But what happens in our life? A problem comes our way. 
we hear about an issue, first thing we do is get emotional. Instead of being calm. Brother McCormick told me this. I, I asked him, I, I preached a message down in Jacksonville on, on pressure, the ministry of pressure, and, and how God uses pressure in our life to develop us. And, and for some crazy reason, they had a question and answer time after the message. I, I, I still don't know why they did that. Never have done it before, never have done it after. And, and somebody asked the question, what do you do when you're under great pressure? And I said, I'm going to defer to Brother McCormick. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, whenever a problem comes and you're under great pressure, you have to stay cool, calm, and collected. Because anytime you're in an emotional upheaval, you cannot solve a problem. I've never forgot that. Now, is that the easiest thing to do? No, but it's the right thing to do. And we've got to train ourselves to get the facts. Before we go crazy, get the facts. Before we lose our minds, get the facts. My sister called me one day. I mean, in hysterics. In hysterics. And there was a situation with her daughter down in Florida. Somebody, one of her friends called about a, about a situation, and, and it was in the way they told her, it, it was something that would have made you go crazy and just lose it and all that. And she's in his, I said, ho, 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 ho. Wait a minute. I said, what do you know to be facts? And she said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I said, well, let's wait a minute. Let's call somebody. Who do you think would know for sure about this? And she said, well, so and so. I said, call that person. Find out what the exact facts are. Then we'll know how to handle it. She called me back. Wasn't even crying. Well, that wasn't true. This is what really happened, and this is what happened, and this is what's going on. Everything's fine. And I'm, I'm telling you to say this. The devil will always blow up the situation because he wants to get you emotional. And if he can get you emotional, you can't solve the problem. So let's process. Pray, process. Get all the information, the facts we can. Then, then see, put this down. Pursue. Once we get the facts about our problem, what does the Bible say about our problem? Now, here's the, here's the tough part. It's not really tough, but it's tough for us. Apply the Bible to the facts you've gathered. If it's a marital problem, what's the Bible say about it? If it's a physical problem, what's the Bible say about it? If it's a financial problem, what's the Bible say about it? If it's a family problem, what's the Bible say about it? If it's a relationship problem, what's the Bible say about it? If it's a bitterness problem, what's the Bible say about it? You see, it doesn't work just reading it. And faith doesn't work just having it. Faith don't work unless you work it. Faith without works is, y'all with me? In other words, here's my problem. I got all the facts about my problem. Now, what does God say about my problem? Now I got to do what God says. That's the booger. Because sometimes what we did to get in the problem, God's going to tell you to stop doing. And sometimes it's not really, it's not really anything but a lack of wanting to do what God said to begin with. 
And I, I'm out of time, but I, I would love to elaborate on that. Uh, but let me give you the last one, and this is critical. What was, what was A? Help me now, A? B? C? D? Patience. Ooh, Lord. That's a puzzle. The worst part of my problems is I'm in a hurry and God ain't. Have y'all ever noticed that? Look at this verse. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. One of the things about trusting in the Lord is you also have to trust his timing. It's funny. I'm 16 years old and I'm not married yet. I don't even have a boyfriend. Count your blessings, honey. I don't even know why. Look. Man, I want to preach right here. Mary and Martha had to trust God. And they had to let something go. They sent the word to Jesus. They said, if you don't hurry up, he ain't going to make it. And the one you love is sick unto death. Jesus didn't even do anything. And then it come time he died. He said, all right, boys, let's go. Now, in Mary and Martha's figuring, his timing was way bad off. And you may have something in your life that you think has died. You may have an area of your life, you may have a situation, you may have a problem, you think it's just too late. And you may think that God's timing is way off. But when he gets into town, he's right on time. Oh, man. Trust God. Trust God. Trust God with your small problems. Trust God with your big problems. Trust God with any problem. And all God's people said, Lord, I really hope I help somebody tonight. I really hope that, that your word just, just drives home the fact that we've got to trust you. Even when what we are holding on to dies, and we think it's too late, it's too far, it's too gone. God, you can walk into town, and because you're the resurrection, you can speak life into any dead thing. You can speak life into relationships. 
You can speak life into broken bodies. You can speak life into, into ministries that are broken and wounded. God, you can solve any problem. But God, give us the patience. Give us the patience to trust you. Give us the patience to come to you first. God, I pray that your will be done. Father, I thank you for all that you're going to do in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before you leave, before you leave, I want, I want if, if, if you would do this, uh, we're through with Proverbs. We're through with Proverbs. I've got some ideas of the next Bible study that we're going to do. Uh, but if you have a suggestion, if you, that's why we was in James tonight, because we're through with Proverbs. But if you have a suggestion of a Bible study or a book of the Bible or something of that nature, and you'd like to post it, post it on the, the church Facebook, or you can write a note and leave it at 411, and uh, we will look at all them, and uh, we would come up with a great, great Bible study. All right? Good night, everybody.